You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, this is Sherry Richards. And this is Karen Kalmastan. And welcome to Inspired Good Fat Life, where we explore what it takes to live a modern, healthy life and so much more. Hey, Karen. Hey, Sherry. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. <laughs> so um, today's going to be, a re- I can't wait for today's discussion. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's going to cause a lot of controversy and uncomfortableness and hopefully help a lot of people at the same <laughs> yeah. time. It's a very interesting subject. As I was as I was walking out the door, my husband goes, I, I, like, I hope you're going to pay really close attention <laughs> to <today."> Yeah. <laughs> And I kind of wanted to throw something at him, but I didn't. Yeah, right. So anyways, yeah, so we're going to be talking about that cursed clutter. Right. What the clutter costs, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The clutter costs. And so we've got mental clutter and then we've got physical clutter. So, you know, how does this kind of show up in your world? Oh, so many ways. Um, I read this uh, quote that I want to share with you. It basically says, when you tidy up, it's confronting yourself, right? So mentally and physically, right? So when you think of it in those terms, it really shows up in all parts of your life. And in fact, I do live with a hoarder. Um, Of course, he would call himself a saver, and we can talk more about that later. But um, yeah, and I've also noticed times in my life where I have more mental clutter, I also have more physical things and clutter. How about you? So, well, it it's an interesting, I don't know, dichotomy to me because I'm just by nature a messy person. I need – if I go into a space that's totally organized – I, I'm really uncomfortable. Oh, like when we go to a hotel or somewhere, I have to start throwing things around ah, to feel comfortable. Yeah. And I found this book. It was called Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives. And right. when I read it, it was like, oh, my God, people – there's people out there who understand this. And it's part of people that are really creative. We need that. But there's a line. It's not dirty. Right. But there's a line between just, you know, a little mess and – clutter. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. I do thrive in organized chaos the best, I would say. I sort of call it organized chaos where I need things a a little bit organized, but I also like chaos around me. But I think that's the tipping point, right? We need to discuss today. Like where does it turn into not messy and creative and clutter and hoarding, right? Yeah, right, (laughs) right. And, And so, well, we're so excited because the guest we have today Sharon McGrill is uh, an expert in this topic and this area, and she's seen it all. Yeah. Um, Sharon likes to help busy and overwhelmed people get things done. Uh, she's the owner and president of the Betty Bigger. Betty Brigade. <laughs> it's it's really um, I love her branding. Me too. And Ann Arbor based organization and relocation company. Um, Sharon and her t- team of Bettys perform such projects as moving coordination, organizing, and staging. Um, and so, for more information about what they do, you can go to the Betty Brigade. Um, at BettyBrigade.com. But Sharon has some fascinating things to share with wait. us. And so, Sharon, welcome. <laughs> yeah, let's bring welcome. her out. Yes. Well, hello. Hi. Good morning. It's so nice to be with you all virtually today. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Yes. So, Sharon, so where, where do you start? You know, you kind of heard our, our little perspective. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, my husband is the person that is similar to both of you. <laughs> okay. He is the person who likes having chaos around him. And 
I am the opposite of that. I am most calm when everything is put away and the house is clean and the laundry is done. And um, that to me feels like peace. Well, I like the laundry to be done and the house to be clean, <laughs> yeah. but I still like piles yeah. of stuff. It's, oh, no. um, I like it all put yeah, away. Like, yeah. and, surface is clear. And all yeah. And my husband is that way too. He's like, well, I'm not buying one more um, horizontal thing because you'll find, a, you'll find <laughs> stuff to put all surfaces. On he wants to see surfaces. All, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So how can we, um, you know, what, what advice can you give or how can you kind of walk us through ways to manage? manage that so we all we all can live together peacefully. Well, and- well, it is a challenge living with somebody who is the opposite of you. And that often happens um, in any kind of domestic re- relationship is that um, whether it's, um, you know, two, two spousal partners or whether it's um, a, a child and an adult, uh, a parent, um, often one is reacting against the other. And uh, when I was growing up, my bedroom, you couldn't see the floor. I mean, there was just clothes and clutter everywhere. And that was my my teenage rebellion. And when I finally got on my own, I was like, ooh, I don't like this. And so things become became very neat. And I found a home for everything to go. And that's how I lived my life. And I really, um, my favorite thing is leaving the house and having it be exactly the way it was when I left it. Now, that isn't a reality when you have someone you live with, but <laughs> um, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> well, good to know. So you sound like my daughter. Yeah, I was shocked when she when I went to her at home after she you know had her own home, and it was like clean and tidy and everything's yeah. organized. I'm like, who is this it's child? Not the right? same kid I, live with. Yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not who I grew up with. So do you have any... Um, I don't know, you know, in your experience, do you have some helpful hints or thoughts about how to kind of find that balance in that space? And we'd love to hear, I mean, Sharon deals with some amazing um, clients. Yeah. And so we'd love to hear some stories of, uh, oh, well, I have yeah, stories, maybe, but, but we don't have enough time or right. enough yeah. alcohol. Well, maybe, all those stories. <laughs> could you uh, maybe walk us back a little bit and talk about what, what is the tipping point between the difference between somebody that, you know, likes to live a little bit chaotic and somebody that likes to live neat and a hoarder, like, um, what, you know, what are the differences and then, um, how can you, what are the, is it, can you give advice not to get to the hoarding spot or can you see well, if someone's sort know, of heading that way? Maybe. Absolutely. And you know, there are extremes in every case. So like um, we've all heard about those people who say, you know, that nothing is ever out of place. And, um, and there's some, um, there's definitely maybe some OCD going on there. And, uh, and I have a bit of that. And so um uh, the OCD can also go the other direction and where people have way too much stuff because they want to collect it and collect it and collect it and their obsessive compulsiveness is taking over. So, um, so let's talk about where those, where those lines are in the sand. Um, and most people, um, in my experience, and I've been doing this, we're now in our 18th year. And most people that I see uh, live in a state of relaxed 
clutter. Like things aren't overwhelming, but they're not out of control. They just maybe, um, maybe something happened in their lives, um, a death of someone in their life, or um, maybe they lost a job and experienced some depression. Um, like something happened. There was some, some event that kind of caused that to go too far to the point where they couldn't fix it themselves. So that's, that's just a reality. Um, and that's very, very normal. And we see that all the time. So an example, um, would the example of that be like you have, I don't know, um, piles, piles of papers in your office or something that are, you know, could you give us a little example of what that might look like, actually look like? Sure. What it might look like is that um, there might be some regular piles. And I would say like, you know, small piles, like, you know, less than less than five inches high. Um, okay, <laughs> go around with the ruler. <laughs> yeah. not, not the big, not the big yeah. steps, but, yeah. the, but less than five inches. Um, and so I would consider that regular, normal clutter. Okay. Um, and I would say that um, everybody has different ways that they address this. So some people are stackers, and it sounds like both of you are, are stackers. <laughs> so Sherry is definitely a stacker. Um, I'm a stacker oh, and a hider. I stack and, it and then I hide and, it. Yeah, I lock it away. And I was going to say, yeah. and then there are stashers. Yeah, that's me. And I'm a stasher. so stashers are the people that take all the stuff. They gather it up and then they put it in a box and stick it in the closet and they hide it. Um, they're hiding their 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 mess. Um, <laughs> and we've gone into clients' homes where um, they've been stashing for years. And so the piles in the closets have gotten so overwhelming that they've lost bills. They've lost important papers. They've lost keys. They've lost cash. Um all different kinds of things because they just keep stacking things and sticking it away. So that is so interesting. Mm -hmm. It, it, it yeah. is. Um, so that's pretty normal. I'm, okay. I'm just going to say we see like that's everyday clutter. Um, and when it goes to the extreme, um, when it goes into that extra saving or extra hoarding, um, like when did, when does that line get crossed is when, the situation becomes untenable. And by untenable, I mean, is there rodents? Is there insects? Um, and everybody occasionally gets ants. I mean, it can happen, right? If you leave food out, ants will come. But if you don't take care of that, then it becomes untenable and they start nesting and, and creating pathways in your house throughout your home. Um, uh, or that those stacks start piling up in the corners. Those stashes are, there's so much stuff in the closet that there's nowhere else to put it. And so the stuff that's being stashed starts filling up the corners. It starts filling up the edges of the rooms. And before long, the edges of the rooms are full and the front porch and the garage and the basement are also full. Oh wow! And so th you we're can not there see, yet. <laughs> but, but you can see how um, it goes that way. We have, yeah. a, we have a hoarding a hoarding situation going on in our neighborhood right now, and they not only have filled 
the the carport they have a carport not a regular garage so it's just a you know a shelter the carport is full but they have filled three vehicles that are parked outside this house and um the neighbors have discussed it with me and i've said there's nothing i can do until someone comes to me and says we need you to take care of this well that's that's a great point because i was wondering how do you help somebody what is the language you say to someone where you're like well i know you're notice your stacks are moving out into the carport how can i help um what is the language you could say to somebody to help them and for them not to feel shameful and um for you not to feel judgmental towards them. Because there can be, a, there's a, I mean, I get a lot it of too. shame. Yeah, you know, right. It's yeah. like, why, do, why am I so attached to this stuff, right? That yeah. I can't let go of it. And there is an enormous amount of shame around hoarding and saving. So uh, let's talk about the, the actual stuff, but then let's talk about the psychology of that. Okay. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and just to be clear, I am not a psychologist. I am not a therapist. I've just done this for 18 years. And so I can tell you, some things that I see repetitively that um, that show up in almost every hoarding situation. Okay. So, um, so there is a lot of shame, um, both from the hoarding situation because they recognize that there's a problem. They know it, um, even though they may not want to take action. And with the family, there is often there have probably been multiple interventions. Um, even to the point where they may have said to the hoarder, we're going to take you on vacation and some family members stay behind to clear out the space. Uh, And that has happened. That seems very um, intrusive. It is invasive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's invasive. Um, However, if if the situation is that the hoarder is putting themselves in physical danger uh, because of rodents or bugs or trip hazards where they've fallen multiple times um, or there's been a situation, a medical emergency and the, and the ER team cannot physically get them out because they can't get a, 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 um, a rolling bed into the house. We're not there. (laughs) (laughs) But but this is what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. So, so the shame of this, the shame is stopping people and there's also a lot of mental shame going on not only with the family um i got a call from someone i have known for years um and i had no idea that her mother was a hoarder and she said i need to talk to you privately this is such a private thing and um and as she told her story um i recognized that this is a story i've heard many, many, many times, but for her, it was so hurtful in her heart that she couldn't express it to anybody that she didn't personally know. And she chose our company because she did personally know me. And her mother died three years ago, and the family is still holding on to the stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. and and you know, if we bring it to to, to a, a more practical, if you're not at that state, right? There's still um, there's still a lot of stuff, and just like with my family, when my grandparents 
past, you know, Mm -hmm. there was just so much stuff to get rid of. And my parents don't want to have that for us. But yet there's, you know, it's hard to let go of some stuff. And I don't want that for my kids. Right. um, So, so, you know, how, I mean, Sharon, do you have any kind of like thoughts or advice on how to find that balance so that you have the stuff that you want, but yet there's not the excess? And like, especially right now, it's like my husband's like, I I go, okay, I'll get rid of some of this stuff. And he goes, well, where am I going to take it? I don't know it's even open. Yeah, where am a, I going to take it? That's interesting, yeah. <clears throat> and and that's, a, that's a very real issue right now because many donation centers are not accepting the level of stuff that they took pre-COVID. And so that um, finding places for things to go is a very real issue. And that's something that we're coming up across um, almost every day uh, that my team is struggling with. And we are finding locations for things to go, but it's not the normal locations that we have been using year in and year out. We've had to really um, stretch our wings and find places for things to go. Now, that being said, um, the question you asked was, where does where, where do you make that line? And here's where we start with our clients. We say, you should absolutely keep the things you love. And my savers will say, well, I love everything. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the truth. So the truth is, what would you save in a fire? Right. What would you save in a fire? Well, yeah, my family, my animals, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that tells you. Like, no one ever says, I'm taking my couch <laughs> when, yeah. when the house is burning down. <laughs> or, Nobody, or, or my favorite glasses. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, or right. that scarf from, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody ever says that. Or those 15 pairs of shoes that I haven't <laughs> worn in a year. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah. So those things are not the priority. They're not the priority. Right. The priority is, what do you need to live you need a bed. You need a table to sit at. You need some, some dishes. dishes and, yeah. You know, I mean, think about what you need to live and what you like to have around you. And now I am 100% guilty of this. I I also collect things. And um, Sherry has been to my home. She knows my house mm-hmm. has stuff. Um, I have like little bits of, of some people would call it clutter. Some people would call it decoration. Collectibles. Um, she, collectibles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also don't bring in anything that isn't in line with what I'm already collecting. So I don't just randomly say, wow, like, like there is nothing that is bright red in my house. So I would never bring in a piece of red furniture doesn't work. Um, so those are the kinds of things. Think about that. Does it does it fit with a collection you already have? Is there something that could leave the house to replace that item? Well, you so, have a good you have a good uh, everything has its place in your house. So your right. collections are like they're not just like hump like you said heaped in the corner. There it's a special spot for them. No, but I am a chair addict. I love, <laughs> I, unusual, yeah. I love unusual chairs. And if you come to my house, you will see that I have a lot of unusual chairs. They're all different shapes. 
Um, I have one that looks like a hammerhead shark. I have one that <laughs> looks like a, a throne. Um, I, I like I have interesting chairs, and and that to me is kind of my ooh, chairs. Yeah. Um, but I'm now at the point where I can't bring in another chair unless one chair leaves. That's just that, that it won't work. Can you tell us um, what is the psychology? It's got to be probably the same underlying thing with most of the people that you see that are, you know, technically um, textbook hoarders. What is it? Is it um, loss? What is the commonality in all like um, in hoarders? Is it is there a certain thread that's through all of them that you've noticed? Just curious. So there are commonalities. Um, There is often an event. Right. Something that happens, um, a divorce, a death, um, a, a the kids leave the house. Um, so there is often something, some line in the sand where things got suddenly worse. And that's usually where someone who has hoarding tendencies and I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, clarify that in just a sec. Um, someone who has hoarding tendencies then becomes a full-blown hoarder. So hoarding tendencies means they can throw things away. They can keep things organized to a degree. They they might still be kind of cluttery, mm-hmm. um, but they they keep they keep the house okay. Um, it's livable and and completely habitable. And then something happens and it's like almost like a switch where they start kind of holding things to them because that's their safety. Mm -hmm. That's the thing they can control because something happened that was uncontrollable, Hmm. like a death. And all of a sudden, the thing they can control is their stuff. So the point here is that the house fills with unused stuff that gets shopped at donation centers or secondhand stores or even regular retail stores. Uh, we had a hoarding situation where the lady um, the lady had she loved to shop. She was a compulsive shopper. And everything inside the house and it was filled to the ceiling, like no joke to the ceiling with stuff. Um, You couldn't see any of the furniture. It was completely covered. Um, You couldn't see the corners of the walls. You couldn't see anything. It was just piled with bags and bags and bags. And everything was inside bags. So it was perfectly pristine, very clean. And that's unusual. Um, in a hoarding situation. So as we unpacked this house, there was amazing stuff to have in a state sale because it was all pristine, mm-hmm. um, brand new. Hmm. But but um, tons you of couldn't it. tell any of that. And here here is the interesting part. Her daughter, who worked alongside us, um, one day just had a breakdown and was crying and um my staff member said what what's going on and this this woman said see all the stuff this is why i couldn't go to college wow my mother couldn't 
pay for my college because of stuff. Hmm. Well, that's definitely a red flag right there. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Well, yeah. But the but the lady wasn't held in check because she went through a divorce. And so her spending went up and her daughter was unable to go to college. So it, it there is no one thing that that triggers this kind of saving. But hmm. it, it it starts psychologically right. and then manifests itself sure. physically. Yeah. Well, I'll just share just a little bit about um, my situation. So we were in the military for 22 years. My husband uh, was a, a officer in the Air Force. And we had all these boxes from when he was like a teenager and a college student. And he never opened them. We moved them from place to place to place to place. <laughs> we moved, I think, 25 times during his career. Never opened these boxes. So many boxes. And they kept building up and building up. But it was like... Um, he needed to keep those because they were part of his past and part of his identity since we moved around so much. It's like we couldn't open them, but we had to keep them. And then finally, I'm said, when we move into our forever house, we can't keep these things. And that was very, very hard for him. And then his dad passed away on top of it. So then we had all the college and the younger Mike stuff where he was, um, you know, based in Michigan and lived in one spot. And then his dad passed away. We moved into our forever home. Then we got all his dad stuff on top of it. So um, we we have one room now in the basement that is we call it his hoard room. But we're like nothing can come out of that room. Um, but he's still like, well, like, well, let's go look through a box and throw something away. He's not ready to do it yet. But it's like he needed to carry his past around with him or something. It's the, it's very strange. He might not say the same thing, but that's what it feels like to us. We're not, you know, we just got to keep that stuff. Like somehow that grounds us. And now we got his dad's stuff on top of it. So we have the kids and I have tried many times to clear stuff out. And it's like a radar. He knows exactly if we touch something or move something. Do you see that a lot? I'm sure you do. Um, sometimes, but, uh, usually when we're called in, it's because the person is ready to make change. Is it usually the person or their family or whatever asking for help or sometimes it's both. Um, we, and we actually turn down those jobs where it's the family intervening. Okay. Uh, That's a, yeah. Because if somebody calls and says, um, my mom or my dad has so much stuff and I have to take action. Um, if we were to go in there, like imagine, imagine if somebody just shows up at your house and says, here, I, I, I'm here and I'm going to put a dumpster in the driveway and I'm going to throw away the things that you said are important to you. Yeah, that's traumatizing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it is traumatizing. And, and there will be, there will be such resistance that until that person who is, who's the saver is ready to let go and is ready to make a difference. And it, and, and often there is another traumatic event that gets, that shakes them out of that. Um, and we actually require that, uh, that our savers, our, our hoarders uh, be in therapy. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. That's good. Yeah. That we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. One is here in Michigan and one is on the West coast who works with them like, you know, like this virtually. Uh, so, um, when, when there is an active hoarding situation, we require therapy. And we, we had a job we did a couple of years ago where the daughters, there were two daughters had s- completely stopped talking to their mom and would not even let the mom see the grandchildren because the wow. hoarding had become so extreme that every time 
grandma got to see the grandchildren, she would just be giving them junky little toys just to be able to give them something. And the daughters were like, no, no, you can't. If you can't give them nothing, if you can't just be with them, then you don't get to see them. Wow. Wow. But that's, I mean, that kind of brings into the different kinds of love, too. Yeah. You know, some people show their love by gifting, others by time, others by, you know, lots of different things, cooking. Right. So so one of the things I, I thought I heard you said, and I remember, you know, this Marie Kondo, the was it Kondo Mari? I mean, I got that book. Yeah. One of my friends sent me that book because she <laughs> that was That book reading. did not bring me joy. No, me no. neither. And, and we both decided we we're going to burn it. <laughs> yeah. It's that. But but she does say something in there that I thought was valuable. It's like, you know, do you really love it? Yeah. And you said that too, Sharon. And so as as I'm sitting here listening, I'm thinking, okay, I can I can pick up each item and say, do I really love this? But I think that that's unrealistic. Okay, and this is this is the this is the issue I have with the KonMari method, is that it is not realistic for someone who has lived in their home for thirty years to touch everything and decide does that thing bring me joy, because after thirty years there is likely upwards of fifty thousand pieces of things wow. in the in the average home. Wow. So imagine 50,000 <laughs> 50, that's amazing. Imagine 50,000 pieces but, of yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. And you know, and I'm talking about basements and attics and garages. Right. I'm talking about um, boxes of children's um, schoolwork that has that have been stored for years. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Does it really make sense? And and so I like to use the the fire example. What would you take in a fire? Because that's what's really important. And it. it doesn't mean that you're going to get all the important stuff when there's a fire or a flood. It just means that there's going to be some things. If 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 your basement filled up with water. And your kids' paperwork from their school got ruined. Would you dry that out and try and save it? No. <laughs> that would be actually kind of a relief. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it would be a, a relief. relief. Thanks yeah. for like, saying that. I don't have to keep this anymore. Yeah, yeah I know. Here's yeah. the thing, Sherry. Yeah. You don't have to keep it at all. It's yeah. like, yeah, your like you're giving, even... she's giving me permission. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you ask your kids, 90% right. 90 of those kids will say, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. Um, right. And so this lady um, that I was just telling you about whose daughter stopped talking to her, her entire garage was filled with her children's paperwork from kindergarten through high school. Mm. Like no. there, there, there's probably 30 boxes of their paperwork and neither of them wanted it. And mom kept saying, oh, but you need to keep it. And the mm. daughters kept saying, no, we don't. And we had to say to our hoarder, please listen to your children. They don't want it. You're saving it for them. And they are telling you, no, please listen. Wow. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great advice. 
So, uh, so, so, Sherry, I'm going to say to you: Stop saving your children's paperwork. Are they still doing paperwork? I don't have yeah. their paperwork, but we do have. You know, we have their snowboarding equipment and their this is and that's and you know stuff. Um, but and, but you're, and but I in think in those cases, in those cases, we say give the kids a timeline. You have until this date, and even with COVID, you have until this date. And if you want it, you can have it, and I will save it. But otherwise, it's going it's away. It's going away, yeah. Because no. there is really no reason. I think I think you also just said something, too, that it's like permission. Sometimes we kind of feel like we need permission to right. just get rid of this, you know, my, my grandmother's paintings. Yeah. <laughs> my, my grandmother painted um, – the you know the old paint by dots oh yeah i love the, those the, but the last yeah. supper and oh, oh i love it even more <laughs> i mean yeah. it's like they're so but i just can't give them but you know it's like they really oh yeah don't just give sitting. those away i want to see those okay. those are awesome okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll take those in my house yeah, okay. i'll store them somewhere <laughs> In my Sorry, room. Sharon. Yeah, I'll start. no, I'll hang them up. I'll yeah. use them. Yeah, I like uh, to use my junk. Yeah, Sharon, I use it. <laughs> so, so well, this has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. It's um, fifty thousand. That's a lot of things, but I could see how that. I mean, I could see that if you go from like room to room to room, it's a lot of things. Yeah. Um. So, tell us too about uh, what what have you seen after people do like the the most severe hoarders after they do clean their house? How is their life different? Um. Well, so here's the here's the thing. If they are getting help, if they are because because we can we can work all day and clearing out their house, but what's really going on is up here, mm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason psychologically that they're saving things, that they're feeling a loss and they feel like they have to control something, mm-hmm. and so that thing that they're controlling is stuff. You know, people people do this with food too. They control food, they control money, they control um, stuff. And so everybody, you know, everybody has something that they feel a need to. And um, so when that happens, if they're getting help psychologically, then they're probably starting to look at the issue that took them down that road. Death, divorce, children leaving, whatever. And they're looking at that and saying, oh, wow. That's that's something that happened and they're and they're dealing with that trauma. If they're not dealing with that trauma, guess what? The stuff is going to fill right back up again. And so that's why we ask that our savers be in therapy because it it just then becomes a waste of money and a waste of resource if it's going to fill right back up again. Right. And a lot of the language, too, is just deferring, right? Like we say, can we throw this away? No, I'm going to get that fixed and we're going to sell it. And it seems like there's a certain language that hoarders have that they start saying it like, oh, no, somebody will want that. I'll I'll shine it up and it'll look pretty. But, you know, it's never going to get cleaned or whatever. Right. That's I just might, all. I, I, might yeah. need, I might need that someday. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the big or one. Or they might, might want that. that. Yeah. Right. Or it's like um something that's so horrible you're like nobody's gonna want that but they're convinced you know why don't you ask so-and-so yeah so yeah it's an interesting dynamic for sure and that's why we bring in specialists to look at those items where the the person or the family is saying hey um this is worth something 
and we we bring in a specialist who sells that item every day, day in, day out, mm-hmm. and we tell that client, no, it's worth ten dollars. Like really, you're holding on to something that's worth ten dollars. So <laughs> if if you think that this is super valuable, then we need to look at your level of what you see as valuable. Wow, that's a big $10 concept. Is not valuable. Yeah. yeah, right. That is, it's a lot to think about. Well, this has been really interesting, and <laughs> yeah, we could go on for yeah. hours. Yeah, right. It's um, it's been it's been one of the things that um, I've noticed with COVID. You know, it's like I've had those those piles, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. If I have time, I'll get to that. If I have time, I'll get to that, right? right. Well, with COVID, it's like, well, there's the time. <laughs> yeah. the time. And, <laughs> now what? And I'm still not getting to it. Yeah. So, but it, it, when I was having this conversation with a couple of my neighbors, different, you know, we were social distance, but we were kind of noticing that same thing. It's like, well, we do have the time and we're still not getting rid of it or dealing with it. So it needs to go to the next level. It's it. This needs to be an intentional thing that we're going to do to change this. Um, so it's one of one of my favorite memes during the the first lockdown was um, I saw this meme and it was this woman standing on her front porch with a piece of cardboard that says, "No amount of pandemic will make me clean out my junk drawer." <laughs> <laughs> Have you found people are hoarding more or less during the pandemic? What do you think? Um, it's hard to say. Um, because people are scared and um and so sometimes people are letting us in and sometimes people aren't but they but they are often using especially our our super savers are using um the pandemic as an excuse not to take action could you talk to us a little bit before we go? I know we have to go soon, but could you just talk to us a little bit about how um, you really do have to think about the people after you, if you are a super saver, and especially in these times where people are getting sick and we're losing lives, um, how it affects children to be left with that or loved ones to be left with that sort of mess? How does that affect them emotionally? Like, It's overwhelming. Yeah. And we get these, these are the calls because this is the work that we do um, and have been doing for 18 years where somebody has, you know, a trust or a will and they say, you know, it gets divided between my kids. And then the kids are like, oh, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. and I just want to go back to this woman who, you know, her mother died three years ago. And the the kids, um, the brother put up such a fuss that the two daughters said to the bank who, who held the trust, um, the, the legal paperwork of, of her estate, um, you, the bank are now going to take over because our brother has gone so far off the rails that he's not making any decisions. But here's what I want to talk about is when those things sit and sit and sit, the house is losing value because nobody is living in it. You're paying taxes and utilities on a property that is not being lived in Mm -hmm. and um, the liability. Yeah. Yeah. Often the insurance gets canceled because there is a law here in Michigan that insurance can only be held on a property after someone has died up to six months and then the, and then the liability insurance drops. So there's a whole bunch of situations that can happen and we see this all the time where there's a flood in the basement and all of that stuff gets tossed because it was ruined. 
And the psychological effect is that there is inaction. Um, and, and often there, 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 this is what happens in families. One family member is like, it's all valuable. It's all worth millions. And one family member says, put it all in the dumpster. And the reality is somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, there is. It would it would be a disservice to put it all in a dumpster because you're leaving money on the table. But it's not all valuable. Some of it, just because it's old, doesn't mean it's valuable. And what is happening more and more with the baby boomers is that there's this glut of stuff. And this is what I talk about in my book. Um, There's this glut of stuff moving onto the market. And. So over the next 10 years, the value of things is going down and down and down. So stop holding on to stuff. Well, and you know, and you alluded to this too, is the energy, it's an energy suck, right? right? And mm-hmm. so when it you really have is. all that stuff around, it just sucks your energy. And the vibration in your and, house yeah. and the feng shui, everything. Yeah. 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 Yep. Hmm. And um, it, it's funny, there was a, a psychic that I know that she says, I refuse to bring I, I don't shop secondhand. Uh, I refuse to bring other people's stuff into my house because that vibration holds into their stuff. Uh-huh. And, yep. um, and, and that's true. And some people are less susceptible to that vibration. Hmm. Can you give us any advice to stay, stay a saver just in your daily life? What would you say to keep on the saving side and not go over to the dark clutter side? <laughs> So today, if we're out shopping, what should we say to ourselves before we bring something in the house? Um, do you really need it? Do you, I mean, like, do you really need it? Because we are, um, especially as Americans, we are a consumer society. Um, we we shop to make ourselves feel better. And that's not always the right way to do things. So what if you were to meditate? What if you were to take yourself um, on a walk in the woods? What if you were to um, go on a hike? What if you were to go for a swim? Um, Like put yourself in nature before you go and buy that stuff. Uh, And not, and some people are like, I am not putting myself in nature. Well, maybe have a call with a friend or maybe read a book. Um, and, to music and, yeah. don't, or and don't get yeah. me started on books because there's book hoarders too. Oh, yeah. for sure. And when you're saying get out to nature, I'm like, okay, I will. As soon as I go to Orvis, I get the shorts, I'll get the hiking boots, then I'll go out in nature, then I'll figure out what I... <laughs> no. no, no, that's the wrong way to do it. That's exactly what we're not supposed to do. Okay, yeah. don't do that just, at home, kids. Yeah, yeah. Just, just go walk. Just yeah. go for a walk. Yeah, don't mall walk either. Just walk, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. that's great advice, yeah. Wow. Well, we have had so much to think about, right? Yeah. Lots thank you. Great, <laughs> yeah. great. And we have barely scratched the surface. I, I yeah. know. And Sharon, and I do want to say Sharon has a wonderful book called The Silver, uh, Downsizing the Silver Tsunami. And <laughs> yeah, um, it's a great book. It's a great book. And it's got lots of wonderful things in it. And, you know, we've gone through my family, we've gone through um, somebody dies or needs to move and just massive amounts of stuff. And mm-hmm. to your point, what's happened is the urgency to get rid of everything has gotten rid of a couple things that were the treasures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we, nothing, it wasn't intentionally done. So um, anyways. And, and when you do it intentionally, then, then you don't miss those things. Right. 
right? I mean, and it, it's it, just like anything in life, right? right? Don't don't be intentional. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you're right. You touched on so many different things on, you know, <laughs> generations and trusts and um, comforts and where we get our our feel goods and security. So is there anything you want to say before we say goodbye? I would say go look at those things that you personally save and get rid of five. Get rid of five. Okay. Okay. Five. And whether it's shoes or books or pieces of clothing or whatever, but you can't bring new stuff in because that new stuff brings its own energy. So when you let go of the old stuff, it creates space for new. And sometimes I say, don't buy, like get rid, like let go of five things and see what happens with the space. See what happens because something else will fill that void because that's what, so, so nature abhors a void, right? Yeah. And, and so gives you a different perspective. There will always be something that fills that space. And that's true. That always happens. That is true. That is true. Give up stuff. Something comes in that's just magical. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Sharon, Sharon, for being with us. And as a reminder, uh, if you want to know more about Sharon McGrill and the Betty Brigade, you can go to BettyBrigade.com. And um, we'll see you again. Thanks, Sharon. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. This was super fun, ladies. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot to think about, huh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking, okay. But I'm, I, you know what? It, it, I'm ready. Me too. I'm ready yep. to just not have um, extra stuff to deal with. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm okay. going fi- to find out how many, what you got rid of, and I'm going to text you later and let you know what I got rid of. Sounds like Sounds a plan. Good. Okay, okay, good. Okay, good. Well, all right, Karen. This has been another great episode. Yep. <clears throat> we'll see you next week then. Okay. This has been Karen Kalmasan and Sherry Richards. Thank you for joining us on our collective today and Inspired Good Fat Life. Please join us on Facebook at Inspired Good Fat Life. Be well. Until next time.